Super Talk Mississippi media production. Running a business is tough. If you're struggling with HR benefits and payroll, you're not alone. Many businesses just don't have the resources to keep up. That's where MWG Employer Services comes in. We provide a full range of employer services with everything from payroll to benefits to HR services and compliance and can create a custom plan that fits your needs and budget. We're a Mississippi-based company that can help you focus on what you do best, growing your business. Call MWG Employer Services today at 601-206-7966 or go to MWG Employer Services You're listening to Sports Talk Mississippi On Demand, presented by Pearl River Resort. Escape to Choctaw, Mississippi and enjoy world-class gaming, the Dancing Rabbit Golf Club, and Geyser Falls Water Park. Escape to Pearl River Resort. This show was previously recorded. This week, are you more excited for the turkey or the egg? Getting you ready for the Egg Bowl. Sports Talk Mississippi. Now, here's more on the Super Talk app, supertalk.fm, and on Super Talk Mississippi. We roll on during Egg Bowl Week, Sports Talk Mississippi, streaming at supertalk.fm. One of the coolest parts about this week for us is uh, the willingness from former players from both sides of the rivalry, from Ole Miss and Mississippi State, being willing to visit with us and talk about some of their memories. And uh, former Ole Miss linebacker Walker Jones joins us right now. This is a guy that... In, in terms of Ole Miss athletics, has been a part of just about everything you can be a part of. He has worked in the administration. He's worked as an assistant coach. He worked with us at uh, at Telesouth on the media rights side for a while. He's been involved in the sports world for a really long time. We don't care about any of that. We want to know about that time when he was on the field in the Egg Bowl. Walker, great to see you, man. What's up? Good to see you, buddy. Always good to see you, Richard. Big week, big week. It is a big week. So you grew up in and around this game and then had the opportunity to play in it. So big picture, what does the Egg Bowl mean to you? Well, yeah, Richard, I mean, being a Mississippi kid, you know, I was a third generation in the Egg Bowl. My father actually played at Mississippi State before he went to uh, went and fought in the war uh, back in the 40s. And um, and then my father, you know, played in the late '60s in the Archie Manning years. Um, so I grew up in a house that had a ton of history in the Egg Bowl on both sides. And uh, you know, it was always a dream of mine to play in that game. Uh, I remember when it was at Jackson, Mississippi, at the at Veterans Memorial Stadium when they played it in Jackson. So I was a Jackson kid. So I think I went to as many hours there when the wind blew the kick back on the immaculate deflection. Um, you know, at '83. So as a you know, eight-year-old kid. So I remember going to the games when they were in Jackson and then when they moved back to campus um, there, I think, in 91 or so. Yeah. Uh, so I've been, you know, part of the part of the game, you know, as an observer and then was fortunate enough to play it for four years. And it was everything I thought it would be and then so. Walker, you were a part of that time, the kind of the transition time at, at Ole Miss, com- coming off of probation, Tommy Tuberville trying to build a class and, and trying to kind of repair the Ole Miss football program. What about those guys that you came in with? Because there was a core group of you guys that over the course of four years kind of overachieved a little bit and, and kind of took on the role of we're going to try and get this thing back. Yeah, Richard, it was a special group. You know, we had, I think what helped, we had a lot of Mississippi kids on that team that uh, grew up as Ole Miss fans. You know, Todd Wade, Eli Anning, Stuart Patridge, you know, Nate Wayne, um, just a lot of guys that, um, you know, really grew up around the school. 
and it meant something. It wasn't just a scholarship to play SEC football. It was a play. It was a chance to play at the University of Mississippi. And I think we had an enormous amount of pride. Uh, we only lost one player. We got put on probation my freshman year for stuff that none of us had anything to do with. And we only lost one player, and that was a, a player from the out of state. So everybody stayed true to the university um, and stuck with it, and we battled through it. You know, the probation we got was unheard of now. You know, no TV, no bowls, plus 13 scholarships a year for two years. You know, that's why guys like myself end up having played linebacker. Myself, Brock Christ, and Nate Wayne. <laughs> we're all former high school quarterbacks, <laughs> so and we ended up having to play linebacker for two years. So, uh, but that's what made it. That's what made it special. Was a bunch of guys that that gave up for a bigger sacrifice to try to keep the program afloat. Coach Tuberville had a lot to do with that. He came in uh, and believed in us, and and really kind of you know uh, developed that us against the world mentality. You know, and it culminated finally our senior year of going over to Starkville and having to beat Mississippi State at Starkville to be able to go to a bowl game. You know, back then, seven wins wasn't good enough to get you in a bowl game. Yeah. Eight wins, you just barely could get in. And we were, you know, we had a chance to win our seventh game over there and go to a bowl game for the first time in our career. Um, so that Egg Bowl was the culmination of all that hard work and all that perseverance. And that's why it has such a special place for all of us. All right, so your four years, your four Egg Bowls, 94, 95, 96, 97, right? Yes. Okay, so... Two and two with both losses at home and both wins in Starkville. That's right. It That's feels right. like that never happens. I mean, we've kind of gotten into this rhythm, and it's changed a little bit in recent years, but so many times it feels like home field advantage is a massive thing. What was it about going there and being able to win a couple of times but not get it done at home? Yeah, it was crazy. You know, we uh, we went, you know, my freshman year, they were really good. They had a great team, and they beat us, I think, 17 to 14, beat us right at the end uh, in a close game. I don't remember the exact score, but it was, it was a close game. 21 17. Um, and then my sophomore year, we went over there. And, you know, that was when Dew Innocent ran wild on them. Dew had, I think, 240-something yards rushing. Um, I had an interception, and we uh, we held them and, uh, in a low-scoring game. Then the, the next year they came to Oxford in an absolute monsoon. I mean, it, it, was, it rained. There was two or three inches of water on the field. And we actually pitched a shutout on defense, didn't give a point on defense, and lost, I think, 16 to nothing or something like that. Uh, they had two defensive touchdowns uh, in that game. Uh, so kind of a crazy game. Um, and then we go over there the next year, you know, with everything on the line. You know, that night in 97, it was Kiefer McGee who had passed away. It was his senior night, you know, that they were celebrating for him, unfortunately, with his untimely death. We were both uh, trying to get the seven wins to go to a bowl game. Uh, we had the big fight before the game, you know, pregame warm-up. <laughs> um, and uh, it was just there was so much. It was the most physical game I've ever played in. I mean, they had a running back JJ Johnson who was an absolute animal. Um, and we, I think we scored the first drive of the game, and they didn't score again until you know twenty some seconds left when we went for two to beat them. So it was a, it was a crazy day. But again, for it to go the way it did after all we had gone through, yeah, I'll never forget that day. Never forget right. it. All right, so the, the two things that stand out, you mentioned the fight before the game started. So what started the pregame fight in 97, and what was your role in it? Yeah, well, <laughs> you know, it was funny. You know, back then we stretched in groups. We didn't come out all together as a full team until the very end of warm-up. So linebackers, offensive line, defensive line, all of us, the big guys, were still in the locker room stretching when only people we had on the field were our specialty, our receivers, running backs, DBs and quarterbacks and kickers. 
And their whole team ran on the field. I remember sitting in the locker room in that in that locker room above on the second floor there in the end zone and just hearing the crowd go wild. And I remember they were showing the Vanderbilt-Tennessee game on the Jumbotron before the game, and I was like, well, Vanderbilt must be beating, beating Tennessee or something. Why is the crowd going crazy? And our strength coach, Chris Mitchell, one of our strength coaches, who was a great player at Ole Miss, Chris Mitchell came flying around the door and said, get out there, they're fighting, they're fighting. And so we literally just run out the door, and I remember turning the corner to go down those steps, and it looked like a scene from Braveheart. I remember mean, helmets flying and you know, <laughs> guys running all over the place, and Deuce McAllister knocked out one of their recruits right in front of us. Uh, and so by the time I got out there trying to get my helmet on, um, I'd left my helmet, and one of the trainers grabbed my helmet and threw it to me off the second step as I was trying to go back and get it, put my helmet back on, and you know, they kind of the highway patrolman had kind of broken it up by then. Um, Adam Bettis, one of our backup tight ends, got his ribs broken. Uh, yeah, it was crazy. Um, so unfortunately, I didn't get to, I didn't get to throw any punches. Uh, I got out there right after it happened, but it, it really set the tone. And, and we were outnumbered by about four to one. They had all their whole team out there. We had about 30 guys out there. So, uh, but I think our guys held it. If you go back and look at the tape, our guys held their own for sure. All right, we got about a minute and a half left. Let's go to the end of the game. You guys have played pretty well defensively. You mentioned scored early, had the seven to nothing lead. Mississippi State's up fourteen to seven. You guys score the touchdown to make it fourteen thirteen. Matt Luke's told the story before that he that, that the offense wanted to go for it. You're on the other side of the ball. Are are you nervous at that point? Or are you like, heck yeah, let's go for it and try and win this game? Let's go for it. We were worn out. We'd been trying to tackle J.J. Johnson all day. Uh, we were tired. We were beat up. Uh, it was a low-scoring game. And, you know, uh, the offense came over to the sideline. Matt's right about that. Matt Luke, all those guys, John Avery, Stewart, all of them came to the sideline and said, let's go win this thing right now, Coach. And I remember Noel Mazzoni, Tom, Coach Tucker looked at Noel Mazzoni, the offense coordinator, and said, do you got a play that'll work? He said, 100%, Coach. Let's, let's do it. He called it, and Chris Stewart threw a great pass to Corey Peterson. He made one of his many great catches in his career. The Rebels appear to be going for two. Oh, my goodness. you got to love it. <laughs> From the three-yard line is where the ball will be placed. Rebel coaches to our right, standing there staring out. Little nerves here. Ole Miss goes for it. Panthers is in a shotgun. Looking for the snap. Rebels trying to do it here. There's the snap, looking to throw. And he got it. Peterson, a yard deep, makes the catch. The Rebels lead. 15-14. We were going to win or lose right there. And, uh, again, after all we had been through, to go out that way was, was really special. So I'll never But then it. you guys had to go back out on the field one more time, didn't you? Didn't you have to get a stop? Yeah, we did. We actually left? went back out on the field because they had about 30 seconds left. In the first play, we had 12 guys on the field. And so we get a 15-yard uh, penalty on the first play. Uh, because we had we had the wrong defensive personnel called, and then they so they got about to about midfield, and then Matt White, uh, one of your old cohort, Matt White, to try to throw a a fade route into cover two, and Timmy Strickland picked it off on about our thirty yard line to seal the game. Otherwise, they would have had a chance to kick a field goal if they had completed that. There have been a lot of uh, crazy ones, and who knows? Maybe we're in for another crazy one on uh, on Thursday night, Thanksgiving night. Walker, always appreciate your time. Great to see you. Happy Thanksgiving to you and your family. Look forward to seeing you soon. Same to you, Richard. Take care. Best of the family. Good talking to you, buddy. Thanks, man. Former Ole Miss linebacker Walker Jones, 2-2 two and two in Egg Bowls. Won both in Starkville. Lost both in Oxford. He joined us on the Farm Bureau phone line. Check out favorites.com and go with the home team, Mississippi Farm Bureau. We will be right back. I love, hey, 
This show was previously recorded. This is your spot for late-breaking news on State and Ole Miss. Sports Talk Mississippi on supertalk.fm, the Supertalk app, and always on your local Supertalk Mississippi station. Back with you on Sports Talk Mississippi. And our first guest of the week joins us on the Farm Bureau guest line. Check out favorites.com and go with the home team at Mississippi Farm Bureau. Defensive lineman Kevin Sluter from Mississippi State played on the 96, 97, 98, and 99 teams for the Bulldogs, uh, which means his Egg Bowl record was 3-1. and one. So, Kevin, we really appreciate you joining and really would like to spend a lot of time talking about the 1997 game, if uh, if that's good for no, you. No, no. I think that's where we'd like to focus today. <laughs> yeah, so we were three three and one. We're actually a, an inch away from my hand from being four and up. So I still still remember very vividly uh, the two yeah. point conversion. We flew, flew right by my hand when we would have finished four and zero. Oh, but hey, you know. Well, I guess it just roll. makes you a bum, Kevin. I mean, you know, you could have been a hero forever, and Look yet here we are. That's right. Could, could have went back to back, taking care of the rebels back to back, but in years. But uh, yeah. hey, you know they, they made a great play and they, they converted the two point conversion and and life moves on. Hey, let, let's walk through. Speaking the of great, no, 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 you're done. Speaking of great oh, plays, Richard. Yeah. Speaking no. of great plays, Kevin, you, you had one of my favorite ones in Egg Bowl history. You may be the last defensive lineman to have scored in an Egg Bowl when you took that touchdown back. In 1996, that long run, just sort of take us through that play, and you know how close to dying were you when you got to the end zone? <laughs> I tell you the truth, the, the, the close to dying was the part. You know, it had been raining all day, so there was a puddle there. When the guys jumped on me, I'm face first down into the puddle. So yeah, the, the dying part wasn't the running; it was the it was the after effect. Uh, you know, the celebration with everybody on top of me. So. Uh, yeah, but no, it was a great, great play. Our defense really showed up that day. Joe Lee, you know, came out that day, last game of the year, and uh, uh, obviously with the record, we knew we couldn't go on to the postseason play. So uh, that afternoon, he decided to play some young players, and I was one of those guys. And uh, you know, Greg Favors, Eric Brown, those guys had a field day, and just uh, right place, right time, picked it up, and uh, uh, the rest is history. So. And and then one of the best Egg Bowl spite moments of all times is Coach Cheryl going for two with 30 seconds left in the game, up 15 to nothing, and asked after the game, well, that's what the chart said to do. He had to have a chuckle in the locker room after that. That's right. You know, these days they'd say the analytics, right? You know, back then we had right. charts. We didn't have the actual true analytics. Uh, so, yeah, I guess so. You know, under a minute, hey, you never know what could happen in a minute. They could have scored twice. So, I agree going with two, <laughs> especially in that game. You got to get all the points you can get in the egg bowl. Kevin, I read somewhere that that's the only touchdown that you scored in your entire football career. Is that accurate? Uh, not, not. I scored one or two in high school, but uh, okay. fairly accurate. Uh, the, the kicker is ninety. It was a ninety-eight or ninety-nine. There was a ball laying there against Oklahoma State, and I go to pick it up, and I just stumble. Uh, I saw green greenfield in front of me, and just uh, <laughs> just you know crashed out there. So, hey, uh, was so was the had, field, a couple. was the field in '96 the sloppiest conditions you played in while you were at Mississippi State, or was there another game that was was sloppier than that? 
I'm going to say 96 Egg Bowl was pretty sloppy, and then I believe it's 97 down in Baton Rouge was pretty pretty nasty too. They had just a good old good old Southern rain down there in Death Valley, and uh, that that field was pretty uh, pretty gnarly that day too. And of course, you know the likes of Kevin Falk and Cecil, but Diesel Collins uh, had a had a pretty good day against us. So, Kevin, let's go to the 98 Egg Bowl. Of course, you know, the, everybody remembers winning that game and going on to the SEC championship. But that game was so special for, for Mississippi State with J.J. Johnson coming off the bench and, and you know, not playing at 100%. What was his – he had to have had some sort of, of message before the game saying, you know, if he's playing at that that level, what can you guys do? Right, you know, that, that's the thing. You know, just that whole day was special. You know, actually, you go back to the week before against – uh, against Arkansas, you know, the way we won that game and, you know, then turn around back on Thanksgiving night and just, you know, from the time that we we left uh, Grenada there and then pulled into the Vaught Hemingway and, and the fans being there just waiting on us. And you could tell just the excitement was built up and just really a pent-up demand for those fans to try to do something. And then, you know, J.J. just laying it all on the line. And that was, that was the type of player J.J. was. He, you know, he put his, you know, put his team first and, uh, you know, didn't really, you know, put his body second that night. But he knew, he knew how special that game was and uh you know obviously to the whole state and you know the crazy thing is 25 years later i never would have dreamed it would have been you know the night we uh night we clinched the west but you know here we are and i guess we'll go down as uh with the way the new way the new sec is going to be i guess we'll go down as the only team to win the west you certainly will kevin sluter former defensive lineman at mississippi state joining us talking about some some egg bowl memories so 99 that that's your senior night and mm-hmm. to have that game unfold the way that it did in your last home game in Starkville, did, did, did that just kind of give you the exclamation mark at the end that, hey, this was this was a really cool way to finish it? Yeah, absolutely. You know, and again, that just, you know, we had, you know, the two games before that, at, at, we were 8-0 going into Tuscaloosa, and then, you know, things didn't go our way. And then the very next week we play a very tough road game up in Little Rock. And, again, we, we were a better team and just things just didn't go our way that night. And here we are, you know, on a two-game losing streak. And, you know, things look pretty bleak there late in the fourth quarter. But, you know, one thing about Coach Cheryl and Joe Lee, they, they told us, you know, hey, keep playing, play these things out. You know, there's going to be tough moments. There's going to be certain plays in the game, you know, that are going to change it. And, you know, and, you know here we are. Uh, you know, that, that play that night, that was special. And just, to, you know, to end it with the kick the way it was, you know, to be my last game, you know, on Scott Field, it was a, couldn't have ended a better way, especially in the egg ball. I talked to Dan Mullen earlier today, Kevin, and I think something he had in common and Coach Cheryl had in common, were that, and they are the most successful MSU coaches of, of the modern era, is they put such a great emphasis on this game. I think it's important to, to do that. What was Coach Cheryl's message every year around this time? Yeah, you know, I... Me being, I'll tell you, me being a, a guy who was not from a Mississippi, you know, being from Pensacola, Florida, you know, I got my first experience the first year, 95, when I redshirted, and you really see how much it means to the people in state. Just, you know, a lot of those guys growing up against each other, playing against each other. And then it's big for recruiting, uh, you know, to try to keep, try to keep the guys in state. And, you know, and that's where, that's where Coach Cheryl had a lot of success. You know, he, he was able to keep the guys in state that didn't let him get away to, you know, to the Auburn, to the Alabama, to the LSU, he was able to go get the big dogs and keep them in state. And, uh, you know, I think that's the key to winning at both Ole Miss and Mississippi State. I think if you can put a fence around the state of Mississippi, Carvel, your areas around Memphis, 
you know, into Alabama, Little Rock, those kind of things, there's where you can have success. And that was one thing, you know, they did. But just, you know, to see the passion, uh, you know, here I am in, in the panhandle of Florida. I got Florida, Florida State. And I tell people all the time, it, it does not, there's nowhere near the passion there is as in, in the Egg Bowl uh, for the whole state. And just to see, you know, see the two, the, the two fan bases come out and just, let's just face it, they, they hate each other, you know, for, for one solid night, they have a solid, solid week. They hate each other, and it's uh, you know, it's it's good and passion, you know, you know, and yeah, we we need that in college football. I love to see, I love rivalry week, you know, from all over, and uh, you know, I, I know each state will probably two thirds is the best, but man, there's no better passion than in Mississippi uh, this week. Kevin, you mentioned 25 years since you guys won it. Uh, you were back on campus with your teammates not too terribly long ago for uh, that 25 uh, 25th anniversary celebration. How cool was that to, to walk back onto the field and, and the way you guys were, were kind of welcomed back and, and cheered? Because, I mean, it looked like it was just electric pregame for that ceremony. Yes, it was. They, uh, the athletic director and the whole staff who put that together, you know, Coach Cheryl sent out something, hey, we're going to have a little reunion, you know, and we're thinking, okay, you know, they'll do something or whatever. Maybe they'll we'll walk out in the middle of the field. But, you know, they told us, they said, hey, we're, we're going to take you to a secure area. Your family and kids need to go up to the uh, up to the stands and wait on you, but it's going to be worth it. So they kind of kept it as a surprise. And then we go down to the tunnel there and just to, just to really walk out there and see, you know, the fans embrace and the, the loud, the crowd, you know, at the time you could hear the cowboys. I never knew there was music playing until I went back and saw a video, and, you know, of the, <laughs> uh, the music playing. So it was just that loud in there. And just, you know, I think it shows there's a lot of people who came up to us pregame at the tent, you know, telling us memories about that team. And, you know, for us guys getting together uh, 25 years later, you know, it was, it was, a, it was a great weekend. Uh, and I thought they did a really good job. And, you know, a lot of us old teammates were trying to keep in touch more and trying to do reunions on our own. Uh, where we can all, you know, relive those moments. Because, you know, one thing about that group, those years, of, that group was a special group just because of how tight we were. And it didn't matter if it was a player, a coach, a trainer, a manager, the police officer who escorted us, the bus driver. We were just one big family with a common goal, you know, who got along and just did things. And it's one of the most special group I've ever been around. Uh, you know, I, I, I volunteer coach at high school now, and we're in the third round of the playoffs, and I still tell memories of that. I say, hey, if you can come together, you can do really, really special things. And it's not just players. It's, it's, the, it's the staff, the support, the coaches, everything that goes involved with it. And that's what that group had uh, in the 90s, late 90s. Kevin, good luck with the high school playoffs. Thanks so much for spending a few minutes with us this afternoon, and uh, happy Thanksgiving to you and your family. You as well. Appreciate the time, Hell State, and uh, go to hell, Ole Miss. Kevin Sluter, former Mississippi State defensive line and lineman, uh, joining us on the Farm Bureau guest line. We'll take a timeout. We're back with you in the Pearl River Resort after this. What do you say two and a half hours later? Let's blitz when we come back. He doesn't accept the narrative. He questions it. We're just getting to the bottom of this. Gallo, every single morning from 6 to 9, Super Talk Mississippi. This show was previously recorded. There were all locations all across the field, and there were probably 80 players that were involved in this situation. Point away from tying the game. 
play. The kick is up. And it is so Here we go, Sports Talk Mississippi with you. Richard Cross, Michael Borky, Brian Haydad, and now John Bond joining us as well. If it was on the phone, it would be on the Farm Bureau phone line, but he is in studio in Jackson, right across the glass from Michael Borky, and kind enough to spend a little time with us. JB, what's up, my man? Oh, man, look, I always look forward to it. You guys are always fun to hang out with. You know, Haydad says old Miss people and state people can't like each other, can't be friends, and it, but I like you. I just can't help it. Well, we uh, we're almost up on that twenty-four hour rule. <laughs> so, uh, so, so a day from now we have to not like each other correct, for what forty-eight hours? Correct. A day before and a day after. There you go. Yeah. And it's uh, you know it's it's kept a lot of friendships together. Probably uh, probably not a bad plan. John got to uh, got to the studio just a few minutes ago, and, and I texted him just to uh, hang out and make himself at home, and he said there were not adequate refreshments to be able to make himself at home. So I'm sorry that we were not more hospitable. Uh, I was thinking earlier, John, I think in a lot of ways you were ahead of your time because, I mean, you, you were you were getting the NIL deals long before these guys today were getting them, weren't you? Yeah, but not getting the dollars like they are. You know, it's uh, yeah, I did a lot of stuff for free, I can tell you that. It was... Um, uh, it was a lot different then, but it was, you know, it was still, uh, you know, you're getting out and you get in the community, so I guess you got some things out of it, and they did too, and it was, uh, you know, I scratch, you scratch my back, I'll scratch your type deal, so it, uh, it all worked out. Everything's, everything was good. Everything was good. <laughs> John. Hey, Dad, you, you look like you're about to talk. Well, I was, and then you said something. See, we're getting into that, that 48 hour thing now. It's, it's starting to, it's starting to <laughs> creep in. Close. Richard. Uh, John, you, you won two, you lost two. Right. Uh, so you know, you know the the, the the glory of victory and the agony of defeat to put it in those kind of announcements. In the terms. worst kind of ways. Yeah. So which one stays with you more through the years? Uh, the the losses or the or the wins or, or yeah. I. It's hard to forget any of them. <laughs> For me, you know, it's uh, the way we lost. The two that we lost were just um, kind of unforgettable. You know, and then the two we won, um, uh, that was pretty good too, especially my freshman year and winning the, you know, Sports Illustrated National Back of the Week and a, you know, and a record that I didn't even really know I had until Fitzgerald broke it, you know, a few years ago. So it's, uh, so they're all, they were all memorable in their own special way. <laughs> Let's walk through them, John. Let's start with your freshman year. You guys were ranked 17th in the country going in. Uh, I believe there was a uh, a win over Alabama in the mix uh, that season. That yeah. the uh, the six to three game, good football team, low low ish scoring game. Nineteen fourteen. What stood out uh, for you from the nineteen eighty game? You know, I'll tell you what that uh, the defense we had that year was just incredible. I mean, it. Um, uh, you know, we had to score some points at times. You know, Miami, LSU. We had a few games. We had to put some points on the board. But after that Southern game, after that Southern shellacking we took, man, it was like they just they uh, they, they they strapped it on. They they said we're we're going to win these things, the rest of these games, and and that's kind of the way it ended up. So I always loved watching that the defense and and you know going against John Forcade and the uh, you know him being I think he was the if I remember right the total yards leader from the year before and may have been that year. Um, and the way they kind of shut him down, and another freshman over there, Billy Jackson, they kind of 
kind of ended that game. It was um, it was just it's always fun to watch that defense in 1980, and and that game was no different than the rest. And and uh, you know Glenn Collins and Johnny Cooks and Tyrone Keys. I mean the names just go on and on. And Larry Friday and you know all the, uh, the times they spent in the NFL. You just you knew you were with a, a special group of guys. All right, so you guys ran a wishbone-based offense, a lot of running, a lot of option in there. Right. I'm assuming that Coach Ballard did not necessarily have you in a green jersey or a yellow jersey no. or a black jersey to keep you from getting hit <laughs> in practice. Is that accurate? Yeah, that's very accurate. In fact, um, you know, at the first of the year, I was I worked my way up the depth chart. And in fact, I was uh, yeah. They recruited another quarterback that was that ran the wishbone. Started all four years out of New Orleans and. Um, uh, so, and I'd never run the wishbone. We, in fact, we we had shotgun and and we ran the pro set and I sprinted out and we ran the flat curl and you know and all that kind of stuff and and uh, uh, so I was up against a bunch of guys that had at least been in it at least one year and one guy that had run it four years. So, working my way up the depth chart was great. I never forget. I uh, I made it to number two and I thought, man, that's the greatest. Man, I'm at number two on the depth chart. This is fantastic. Then we go out there that Monday before Memphis State and I realize, uh oh. Number two offense scrimmages. Number one defense. <laughs> yeah, that was <laughs> that was not fun. So I did everything I could to get to that number one spot so I could scrimmage the number two defense. Did, did you ever have a head-on collision with Johnny Cooks? Oh yeah, had several. Had several with him and Glenn Collins and Ty and all those guys. I mean, it was um, it was wide open on Tuesdays and about half of Wednesdays. So uh, Mondays we laid off a little bit, but Tuesdays and Wednesdays were wide open. John, you know, on this show, every now and then I've been known to complain about officiating. Every just every now and then I'll do that. So I'm gonna give you an open mic here. If you got anything you want to say about Dick Pace right this second? I'll let you have it. Oh my gosh, that is the worst call ever. Although I have seen some others this year. Um, All right, hold on now. What was the call? What what are we talking about? Oh, and four K will swear up and down that the guy was killing him, the the receiver, the whole way down, and he he never touched him. I think who was it? uh, Oh, Johnson was it Johnson? Yeah, I think you're right, but I'm not. Yeah. That, I mean, just stepped around in front of the, you know, uh, John threw the ball up in the end zone, and um, they were on about the 50, I guess. And uh, he threw the ball up in the end zone, and, and um, uh, KJ some, stepped in front of it. I mean, it was a clean interception. He caught the ball, fell on the ground, jumped up with the number one, you know, and, and uh, I was running off, and then here comes the flag. And they called pass interference, and that's when they moved it to the one, and, and uh, the rest is history. So that's that's how we lost one that first one that my sophomore year and and it was funny that year we had uh, we lost two games uh, with two return well one a return touchdown and one a pass interference call in the end zone yeah so yeah I, I can <laughs> I can talk about refs all day long I mean it's really crazy that all these years later you guys still do not come to the realization that it was the right call I mean they just, sometimes these guys just get it right well yeah sometimes and sometimes they miss them um, but they uh, you know what in fact uh, the guy and if I remember right, I believe he was involved in the Methodist Church in some kind of way. He was a preacher or something and felt really bad about that and wrote Coach Ballard a letter of apology later that's, on. That's and what I, it is at Mississippi State. We always get the letter. Exactly. We get the letter after the game. Exactly. Oh, sorry we messed yeah. up. Yep, and yeah. and because uh, I, 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 if I'm remembering all that right, that's the way that happened. Mm. Oh, so, goodness. yeah. It was. So was 82 a cra- so, so 81 or 80, excuse me, crazy, low-scoring game. Right. 82 or – I'm sorry, my years are off. 80 low scoring game, tight till the end. 
Obviously, you just described 81 tight to the end. Was 82 different? A little bit, just simply because we had a really good offense that year. Um, in fact, I think uh, we held the most yards per game until like Dak in the Liberty Bowl, whenever that was. I think it was 2010. I mean, it was uh, a really good offense. That was when Ken Hall and all those guys were seniors. Yeah. Uh, we had Danny Knight, Glenn Young outside, um, the two guys that I threw to. <laughs> and uh, and then we had uh, Michael Haddix, had uh, Danny Knight had and a run, as a running back. We had about five guys, you know, running the ball back there. So we had a really good backfield, two guys that could catch and could fly, and uh, some great guys up front. So we really moved the ball up and down the field that year. Do you like the movie Ten Cup? I do. I'm reminded of the uh, of the line in Ten Cup after one that we probably shouldn't say on the radio where he goes. <laughs> A gust from the gods. Uh, 1983, perhaps a gust from the gods. What was your vantage point? What was your perspective on the, uh, the kick? I was on our sidelines, which was, I guess, the, um, uh, the south side of the stadium because it doesn't it face east and west. Yes, it does. It's one of those strange ones where the end zones are east and west. Yeah. So I guess we were on the south side and when already hit it, you know, not, Artie had already kicked a 52-yarder that year, so it's not like he didn't have the leg strength. So uh, we felt good about getting it down to, I think it was the 17, 18-yard line, and uh, I felt you know really good about him putting it through the uprights. And and it had been, I mean, it was the storms were around because everybody was asking me in the huddle, you know, they gonna call the game, they gonna call the game. I said, don't worry about it, let's just keep moving the football. And uh, our sideline stood first because we thought it went through. Kicking from the 16. Only a 26 yard kick. Crosby, a side saddle kicker, waiting for the snap. There it is. It is placed down. There's the kick. It turns. It turns. It is no good. Shreveport, here we come. <laughs> I don't believe it. That ball, the wind took it. It was straight up. It went to the left. It didn't even get to the goalpost. And then when it landed back where we snapped it from, the other side started jumping up and down. So, so it was it was that significant of a wind gust. Yes. Oh, it was incredible. And well, it was I thought, calm. Uh, we, we talked to David Kellum yesterday, the voice of the Rebels, and he said he was at that game as a, a college student or a high school student at the time and said, same way you described it. He said, you know, Mississippi State fans went crazy and then stopped, and then Ole Miss fans went crazy. Yeah. And he was in the opposite end zone watching, and he said, it was dead center. Oh, yeah, he nailed it. Nailed and then it. it wasn't. This is where the story of your state gets told each day. We're proud to cover the Magnolia State like nobody else. Super Talk Mississippi. This show was previously recorded. What we do next? Keep it moving, buddy. You can be a part of Sports Talk Mississippi. Triple eight eight zero eight eight six three seven on Super Talk Mississippi. Your Egg Bowl forecast. Three days out. Thursday, Thanksgiving Day, high of 58. A mix of sunshine and clouds. Winds light and variable. 
Thursday night, the overnight low is 38, partly to mostly cloudy, again with light and variable winds. There's been a little bit of chance of rain in the forecast. Um, That seems to be lower than maybe it was a few days ago. So it's going to be gray and cold for the egg wall, right? It'll be dark at kickoff, so it'll be upper 40s at kickoff. I mean, if the high is 58 and the sun goes down at 515, it stands to reason that it'd be, you know, 49, 48. Does rain benefit Mississippi State? I think it does because Ole Miss could really exploit them vertically if it's not pouring rain. I mean, again, I don't mean to sound flippant, but is there anybody on Mississippi State's defense that can cover Trey Harris? One-on-one? No. There isn't anybody on Mississippi State's defense that can cover Bob Harris. Who's Bob Harris? I don't know, a plumber? So Ole Miss will have a a matchup advantage there, but where State is really good, hidden in, in the down season, is linebacker play. Great linebacker play. So if it's kind of a a bog and it's raining and you've got to run the football a lot, then don't you think that would be in Mississippi State's favor? You play on the line of scrimmage and let those two dudes go to work and stop the run? Yeah, but but when you when you when it rains and you can run the football, that's a great thing. And with Judkins and Bentley, I mean Ole Miss still has the advantage there. <clears throat> I was trying to see if I could quickly pull up rushing defense for Mississippi State this year. Uh, There it is, rushing defense. Mississippi State, and middle of the pack in the SEC, giving up 140 yards per game on the ground. Ole Miss actually giving up more than that, 157 on the ground for uh, for Ole Miss. And then in terms of uh, of passing defense, uh, it is is less good because Mississippi State – well, I mean, hey, they're still right there, middle of the pack, total defense, 354 yards a game is yeah. what they're That's allowed. come down a lot the last few weeks. But. Yeah. 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 All right, so I, I said before the break, what are the odds of a, uh, of a pregame scuffle, altercation, fight? Are you going to come to the press box? <laughs> I don't know. Because uh, I, I do, 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 do my you better learn how to fly. Because <laughs> when I throw you <laughs> off the stands, it's going to be the only way you have a soft landing is if you uh, start flapping those wings on the way down, big man. You better, you better go talk to one of those uh, power tool distributors we met on Wednesday to get you a forklift or something. If you're going to pick, you're going to pick me up. I. Uh, no, I don't think there'll be a fight. I don't. I don't. No. I don't think there will be. That's one of the things. It's, it's obviously it's impossible to predict. I don't think I went to the 2018 Egg Bowl thinking there was going to be a. We had spent the whole time. Remember the 2018, like the whole season, we're like it's so much less toxic with Moorhead and Luke now than it was with Mullen and Freeth. And then you get a brawl in the middle of the game. So who knows? Put a firecracker quarterback in there, and things uh, things happen. <laughs> 18 and 19 might be the most toxic Egg Bowls we've had. Because you had the fight in 18, and then 19 you have Elijah Moore and all that stuff. I mean, yeah, with Moorhead and Luke. So, pregame fight? No. Like, an actual fight? But, yeah, I wouldn't be surprised at all if some guys meet and there's some words Probably exchanged. Some shippiness, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I sure. don't mean that. I'm not talking about 97. Not, not that. No. 
Not not the full on Mayweather. So if you were setting the odds, you would you would make the odds of a pregame fight like plus one nine hundred. Huh? Nine hundred. Like a fight fight. It's a, it's a, yeah, a fight fight, that's that's unlikely. Okay. Pushing and shoving. Like now that that would be a little bit a little bit better, probably like only like plus one fifty. And guys getting in each other's faces and yelling, where the coaches have to separate them, like minus three, Mi- minus two fifty. Yeah, yeah. Okay. There we go. Because that's going to happen. I mean, you know, it's interesting listening to Ole Miss's players in Lane Kiffin today. I mean, Lane Kiffin specifically talked about getting the trophy back. You know, Ashanti Sistrong said, "I think about this game every day." That 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 is a little bit different. Jackson Dart said, "Well, he still thinks about how he felt walking off the field last year." That that is different rhetoric, quote unquote, than you've heard from Lane Kiffin's Ole Miss uh, in the years prior to this year. They are talking about this game a little bit differently. I noticed. Hey, Dad, is this a game where, as a fan? You, I, I don't. I don't even know exactly the right way to phrase this. Is this more about winning or not losing? <laughs> it's more about winning. But I get is what you're it saying. more the joy of losing or the agony avoided of not the the, the joy of winning or the agony of not losing? The it's more more about the joy of winning. I see what you're trying to say, though. Yeah.
This show was previously recorded. This week, are you more excited for the turkey or the egg? Getting you ready for the Egg Bowl. Sports Talk Mississippi. Now, here's more on the Super Talk app, supertalk.fm, and on Super Talk Mississippi. We roll on during Egg Bowl Week, Sports Talk Mississippi, streaming at supertalk.fm. One of the coolest parts about this week for us is uh, the willingness from former players from both sides of the rivalry, from Ole Miss and Mississippi State, being willing to visit with us and talk about some of their memories. And uh, former Ole Miss linebacker Walker Jones joins us right now. This is a guy that... In terms of Ole Miss athletics, has been a part of just about everything you can be a part of. He has worked in the administration. He's worked as an assistant coach. He worked with us at uh, at Telesouth on the media rights side for a while. He's been involved in the sports world for a really long time. We don't care about any of that. We want to know about that time when he was on the field in the Egg Bowl. Walker, great to see you, man. What's up? Good to see you, buddy. Always good to see you, Richard. Big week, big week. It is a big week. So you grew up in and around this game and then had the opportunity to play in it. So big picture, what does the Egg Bowl mean to you? Well, yeah, Richard, I mean, being a Mississippi kid, you know, I was a third generation in the Egg Bowl. My father actually played at Mississippi State before he went to uh, went and fought in the war uh, back in the 40s. And um, and then my father, you know, played in the late 60s in the Archie Manning years. Um, so I grew up in a house that had a ton of history in the Egg Bowl on both sides. And, uh, you know, it was always a dream of mine to play in that game. Uh, I remember when it was at Jackson, Mississippi, at the at Veterans Memorial Stadium, when they played it in Jackson. So I was a Jackson kid. So I think I went to as many hours there when the wind blew the kick back on the immaculate deflection, um, you know, at 83. So as a you know, eight-year-old kid. So I remember going to the games when they were in Jackson and then when they moved back to campus um, there, I think, in 91 or so. Yeah. Uh, so I've been, you know, part of the part of the game, you know, as an observer and then was fortunate enough to play it for four years. And it was everything I thought it would be and then so. Walker, you were a part of that time, the kind of the transition time at, at Ole Miss, com- coming off of probation, Tommy Tuberville trying to build a class and, and trying to kind of repair the Ole Miss football program. What about those guys that you came in with? Because there was a core group of you guys that over the course of four years kind of overachieved a little bit and and kind of took on the role of we're going to try and get this thing back. Yeah, Richard, it was a special group. You know, we had, I think what helped, we had a lot of Mississippi kids on that team that uh, grew up as Ole Miss fans. You know, Todd Wade, Eli Anning, Stuart Patridge, you know, Nate Wayne, um, just a lot of guys that, um, you know, really grew up around the school. And it meant something. It wasn't just a scholarship to play SEC football. It was a play. It was a chance to play at the University of Mississippi. And I think we had an enormous amount of pride. Uh, we only lost one player. We got put on probation my freshman year for stuff that none of us had anything to do with. And we only lost one player, and that was a, a player from the out of state. So everybody stayed true to the university um, and stuck with it, and we battled through it. You know, the probation we got was unheard of now. You know, no TV, no bowls, plus 13 scholarships a year for two years. You know, that's why guys like myself end up having played linebacker. Myself, Brock Christ, and Nate Wayne. <laughs> we're all former high school quarterbacks, <laughs> so and we ended up having to play linebacker for two years. So, uh, but that's what made it. That's what made it special was a bunch of guys that that gave up for a bigger sacrifice to try to keep the program afloat. Coach Tuberville had a lot to do with that. He came in uh, and believed in us. 
and and really kind of you know uh, develop that us against the world mentality. You know, and it culminated finally our senior year of going over to Starkville and having to beat Mississippi State at Starkville to be able to go to a bowl game. You know, back then, seven wins wasn't good enough to get you in a bowl game. Yeah. Eight wins, you just barely could get in. And we were, you know, we had a chance to win our seventh game over there and go to a bowl game for the first time in our career. Um, so that Egg Bowl was the culmination of all that hard work and all that perseverance. And that's why it has such a special place for all of us. All right, so your four years, your four Egg Bowls, 94, 95, 96, 97, right? Yes. Okay, so... Two and two with both losses at home and both wins in Starkville. That's right. That's right. It feels like that never happens. I mean, we've kind of gotten into this rhythm, and it's changed a little bit in recent years, but so many times it feels like home field advantage is a massive thing. What was it about going there and being able to win a couple of times but not get it done at home? Yeah, it was crazy. You know, we uh, we went, you know, my freshman year, they were really good. They had a great team, and they beat us, I think, 17 to 14, beat us right at the end uh, in a close game. I don't remember the exact score, but it was was a close game. 21-17. And then my sophomore year, we went over there. And, you know, that was when Dew Innocent ran wild on them. Dew had, I think, 240-something yards rushing. Um, I had an interception, and we uh, we held them and, uh, in a low-scoring game. Then the, the next year, they came to Oxford in an absolute monsoon. I mean, it, it, was, it rained. There was two or three inches of water on the field. And we actually pitched a shutout on defense, didn't give up a point on defense, and lost, I think, 16 to nothing or something like that. Uh, they had two defensive touchdowns uh, in that game. Uh, so kind of a crazy game. Um, and then we go over there the next year, you know, with everything on the line. You know, that night in 97, it was Kiefer McGee who had passed away. It was his senior night, you know, that they were celebrating for him, unfortunately, with his untimely death. We were both uh, trying to get the seven wins to go to a bowl game. Uh, we had the big fight before the game, you know, pregame warm-up. <laughs> <laughs> um, and uh, it was just there was so much. It was the most physical game I've ever played in. I mean, they had a running back JJ Johnson who was an absolute animal. Um, and we, I think, we scored the first drive of the game, and they didn't score again until you know twenty some seconds left when we went for two to beat them. So it was a, it was a crazy day. But again, for it to go the way it did after all we'd gone through, yeah, I'll never forget that day. Never forget right. it. All right, so the, the two things that stand out, you mentioned the fight before the game started. So what started the pregame fight in 97, and what was your role in it? Yeah, well, <laughs> you know, it was funny. You know, back then we stretched in groups. We didn't come out all together as a full team until the very end of warm-up. So linebackers, offensive line, defensive line, all of us, the big guys, were still in the locker room stretching when only few we had on the field were our specialty, our receivers, running backs, DBs and quarterbacks and kickers, and their whole team ran on the field. I remember sitting in the locker room in that in that locker room above on the second floor there in the end zone, and just hearing the crowd go wild. And I remember they were showing the Vanderbilt Tennessee game on the jumbotron before the game, and I was like, "Well, Vanderbilt must be beating, beating Tennessee or something." Why is the crowd going crazy? And our strength coach Chris Mitchell, one of our this show was previously recorded. This is a place for crazy people. If it's sports in Mississippi, you'll hear about it here. Sports Talk Mississippi on Super Talk Mississippi. Jet Johnson 
and Nathaniel Buki Watson have a chance to make history. If they finish first and second in the SEC in tackles, they will have done that in back-to-back seasons, and that has never been done before with an asterisk. Tackles did not become an official stat recognized, I guess, by the NCAA until the year 2000. So I guess it's possible that there is another team that has had the top two tacklers in the SEC in consecutive seasons. Whether or not it has happened before or not does not diminish how significant an accomplishment this is. Jet Johnson and Nathaniel Watson, two of three players in the SEC with over 100 tackles. 117 on the year by Jet Johnson, Bookie Watson with 16. And on top of that, Bookie Watson has got 10 sacks this year. That's a career high. Only player in the SEC with double-digit sacks this season. Eighth nationally in total sacks. And one of just 10 FBS players that has 10 or more sacks this season. Those two guys, like, reliable is not even close to a descriptive enough word. I mean, it feels like the right word, but it's not nearly descriptive enough to describe what they have been the last two years in the middle of that Mississippi State defense. I mean, you just put their their names in ink, and you can almost put 10 and 10 for tackles in ink. With those two guys, they're just they're just going to show up every week. If you're a Mississippi State fan, that is the one thing you don't have to worry about. It's been really, really impressive. So um, they will be vitally. Is your Connerly vote being swayed here by any of this? I mean, I, I look at this game coming up. Like right now, I think I've said, I'm leaning towards Patrick Shegok. I don't feel like any of the big school guys have been overly impressive. But if, but if Buki Watson comes out and ha- has 10, 12 tackles and has a sack, he leads the SEC in sacks, he's going to be first team all SEC, that's got to count for something. Or if Judkins has a monster game and, and leads Ole Miss to victory and he has 150, 160 yards rushing and goes over 1,000, I mean, it's got to count for something. So this is one of those games where, you know, it's kind of up yeah. in the air for me. And I guess this weekend if Gore has a big week game against uh, Troy, could count for something. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I, I think all of that is in play. I mean, Patrick Sheegock's got more football to play as well as, you know, yeah. Delta State continues. It's to, to me, those – I mean, certainly those are the four names under consideration. And, and I mean this – It's going to be taken, I I just don't mean it this way. No disrespect to Frank Gore, but for me, the biggest consideration that I'm giving is to those other three for for my kind of one, two, three in terms of of rankings. I mean, I don't, we're not talking about the same level of secrecy that exists with Heisman ballots. I, I, I don't mind saying that as we sit here, you know, I don't know actually. A week ago, a week ago, and I think I said this to Borky, I believe that Quinshawn Judkins is the best football player in the state of Mississippi. Mm-hmm. And because this is the award that goes to the best college football player in the state of Mississippi, I felt comfortable in saying he was the guy that I would vote number one. And I would have put Buki Watson number two and Patrick Shegog number three, but, 
as I've continued to look at Shegog's numbers and continue to see what he means to that football team, he does not turn it over. He makes plays with his arms and he makes his arm and he makes plays with his feet. I'm re-examining the entire thing. And hey, Dad, your point is a great one. Now, I do think it would take a Mississippi State win and not just a great individual performance for Buki Watson to get my first place vote. But, but if Mississippi State were to win, were to pull off an upset, and it included a night where, let's say, Buki Watson has 14 tackles with two sacks and four tackles for loss, and he forces a fumble, and that directly leads to Mississippi State's win, yeah, I, I think I think that's a scenario where I would vote him first. I'm not turning in my ballot until, until Sunday. I'm, I'm going to wait till the last second. I want to see how all these things play out. I, I think that's entirely reasonable. I do. And... I mean, look, if, if we were counting, and it's supposed to be on this year alone, right? Right. It, it, right. It, it's not, it's not a career achievement award. It's a this season. If we were counting last year's bowl game in the numbers, then all of a sudden Frank Gore, I'm looking at that differently because of what he did in the bowl game for Southern Miss a year ago. But based on what has happened on the field this year, it's hard for me to, make Frank Gore one of my top three in terms of the way I vote. And look, Judkins yeah, has not had... The first season just hard killed him. It, it did. It did. And I know that Quinchon Judkins had a little bit of a slow start to the year, but the fact of the matter is, uh, assuming he has just a... Like, he even scratches on Thursday night, he is going to become the second Ole Miss back in school history to have back-to-back 1,000-yard rushing seasons. And a 1,000-yard rushing, regardless of how you get there, has always been the barometer for that's a great back. But Judkins' numbers were so good a year ago as a freshman that it's kind of skewed how we look at his numbers. And he's he's still got, is it 14 or 15 touchdowns? 14 rushing touchdowns on the season? I think he leads the SEC in that category. It's yeah, it's 14. 933 yards, 14 rushing touchdowns, 85 yards a game, 15 total touchdowns. He's gone over 100 yards four times and has four multi-rushing does, touchdown yeah. games. It's been really good. Yeah. Leads the SEC in his seventh nationally in rushing touchdowns. But, but yeah, your question, I mean, 100% legitimate question. And ultimately, the answer is yes. Yes, the outcome of Thursday night, the outcome of Saturday for Delta State, could absolutely sway my vote one way or the other. Yeah. yeah. And this is cool. should be, right? Yeah. Yeah, this is a season-long award, so it's got to, it's got to involve the whole season. If you have the, if you save your best for last, and that's how it is. Uh, somebody says, it's also, let's see here, um, fair to wonder how, uh, that's yesterday. What if you put Judkins at Delta State, can you imagine? He'd be really good. Yeah, but that's true about just about any SEC starter at a, at a you know, at a Delta State or a school like that. So it makes They're an, an award that spans multiple levels so difficult to give out because, I mean, put Ulysses Bentley 
with all due respect to Delta State, we That's gave an important shout-out yesterday. They got the playoffs coming up, but put Bentley on him. Put Jam Griffin on him. Ole Miss's third string That's why back. this – I feel like this this award is misnamed sometimes like or, or, or mis, misawarded. Like, it should not be the best. The best college football player in Mississippi last year was, was Judkins. Forbes was second. That's how the Connerly Trophy voting went. And the NFL will, will agree with that assessment that we just had. But, I mean, Shegog's having an outstanding season. He's led his team this far, and in, in he's in the playoffs. He's having a great year. I know that Patrick Shegog is not as talented a football player as Quinshawn Judkins is. I know that. But... This award should be more about like who had the best season at their school, and that way you, you can you say okay, yeah, he played. You can only play against you're playing against, and just go from there. Judkins has not had as good a season statistically. He hasn't meant as much to his team as Shegog has meant. That's how I wish this award was set up. Otherwise, it just becomes like who's the best NFL draft prospect. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, that's that's a good point. It's a really good point, and the whole. Well, if you put Patrick Shegog on Mississippi State or Ole Miss or Southern Miss's roster, how good would he be? We have no idea, no way of knowing that. Yeah. But we do know that where he plays, he has been phenomenal and has been instrumental to the success. By the way, we were talking about Connerly Trophy winners from Delta State yesterday, and I, I made a mistake. Treg Thomas was the 1996 winner. Just full disclosure, I didn't have the entire list in front of me, and certainly I know that name, and uh, he was a really, really good player running back at, uh, at Delta State. Uh, so I was not trying to omit that. I just That one just slipped my mind. Uh, so two winners from Delta State, 96 and 2000 with Treg Thomas and um, Josh Bright in uh, in 2000 as well. So, And, and then somebody said, hey, what, do you, what if you put Frank Gore Jr. on Delta State's team? Dominant. Uh, of course Dominant he player. would be. Of course he would be. So, um, so hey, Dad, you would you would suggest that you change the award to player that means the most to their team, like a most valuable player award, an MVP. Yeah, because that's different than best. Yeah, it is. It absolutely is. Sports Talk Mississippi streaming at supertalk.fm and supertalk TV. When we come back, we will talk to a former Ole Miss coach, uh, not coach, former Ole Miss quarterback and current sideline analyst on the Ole Miss Sports Network. Number four, John Darnell joins us coming up next on the Farm Bureau.fl. This show was previously recorded. It's time for more Sports Talk Mississippi. Finally. Finally. On Super Talk Mississippi, the Super Talk app, and at supertalk.fm. That image of Richard Cross, oh man, that is. Uh... <laughs> so I have your connection back, Richard. Are you there? I'm back. Yeah, I'm okay, back. Okay, good. All right. I, I told John already that it's going to be me, so he's going to be disappointed to, to find out that you are uh, that you're back, unfortunately. But anyway, I wasn't sure. So here we go. Uh, apparently, no more disappointed than he was when uh, Greg Sankey thought he was eye on the uh, sideline a couple of weeks ago. John Darnell joins us on the Farm Bureau guest line. So what was that? You sent me that message, and I was in the middle of something, and I was like, wait, what? Uh, well, it, it had to be because, it, you know, Georgia 
pregame was crazy. Kurt Herbstreit has his dog out there running around during warm-ups. And then, uh, I mean, I just looked up. Greg Sankey was walking straight towards me, and I was like, he has no idea who I am. Why is he walking towards me? And I was thinking, he thinks I'm Richard Cross. And uh, he walked up and said, uh, you got enough layers on? And I said, I think so. And shook my hand and kept walking. I thought, well, he realized I wasn't Richard Cross. So he just didn't felt dumb and walked away. So that was the story. But <laughs> always, uh, you should have been, you should be like, I, I don't know. I don't know what you should have said in terms of the response. <laughs> Well, I didn't know what to say. He walked away so fast. I was like, well, he just thought I was Richard Cross, so I'll just play along with it. Well, I mean, that stands to reason that he would have just kept on walking. It was me anyway, so (laughs) maybe that that does make sense. Uh, John Darnell, former quarterback at Ole Miss, the sideline reporter on the Ole Miss Sports Network for football. He will be in Starkville on uh, on Thursday night for Thanksgiving. Uh, Did not play in Starkville, though. Uh, you were, I guess there was one more game in Jackson after you finished your eligibility. So, so three games against Mississippi State, two and one in those three games. Is that right? Uh, that I played in, correct. Yes. Okay. What, um, yeah. what, what stands out for you when you think back about your Egg Bowl games? Uh, well, see, it was, we like, we talk about this every year, but just, uh, you know, the, the amount of Mississippi guys we had on our roster and the, the amount they had on their roster. I mean, I think back in a, and back then it was a North-South All-Stars <clears throat> that played together. That's the only All-Star game we had. We didn't have the Alabama-Mississippi All-Star game. And I remember nine guys off the North went to Mississippi State. And we had like six that went to Ole Miss. And then on the South, it was, you know, four or five went to Ole Miss and five or six more that went to Mississippi State. So, we had played that, you know, been down there that whole week and played against each other and got to know these guys pretty well. And then obviously played against some in high school. So it was, uh, you know, it was almost like, you know, you get down to the last, last game and it, uh, you know, not only is it a rival for the fans, but you want to beat the guys that you played with and played against in high school. So that's kind of what I remember the most. Um, and then, you know, having to play in Jackson when it being like a neutral, neutral crowd so um and it always rained always rained i mean i think we talked about this last year i think i think bo russell said in our thing last year that they spotted the ball one time and the ball floated away i I would not doubt that it was Mm -hmm. it it rained so bad um in that one particular game but it seemed like it rained every year john did you guys ever talk when you were playing about, man, I wish we could play these games on campus, was there any any buzz or any whisper that that might be coming? Never even thought about it too much for this game, but I know when we were playing, when we were at Ole Miss and had to travel to Jackson to play LSU or Arkansas, we did not like that. That was not fun because it felt like we were having to travel further than the other team sometimes and, um, you know, stay in Jackson and play. And I know that was good for the Jackson people and, and the fans and everything to have to drive to Oxford, but we would have loved to have played every home game uh, on campus for sure. And, and we're at a point now where it's almost impossible to imagine any other way. I mean, 1991 was the first year it was back on campus, and the idea of going somewhere other than Oxford or Starkville for this game right now, I mean, it's a foreign concept. Oh, that's, that's right. I mean, it's so much better on campus. I mean, I know the opposing fans don't like going to the other place, but it's just so much better and so much better atmosphere at both places, you know, home and away. 
You, you said earlier that uh, we talk about this every year, and here's another thing that, that I ask you about every time we visit, and sorry for not being more original with my question, no. but the 1990 game in Jackson, which was the last off-campus game between these two teams, if I remember correctly, you were a graduate assistant on staff right. then, and that was the yeah. year that had the massive fight. And, and I remember listening on the radio, and I think it was Lyman Helms, and he was like, I've never seen anything like this. They're fighting from one end zone to the other. It was spread all over the place. Uh, r- remind us uh, about that story and how it unfolded. That, that's the honest truth. I mean, it did cover almost 100 yards, and it's hard to imagine now um, that how much coverage would that would get if it happened now. Um, but it did, and I, and I, you know, going back to it's it's um, debatable who started that fight, but it was either Jay Hobson, who's at South Alabama now, that was the head coach at Southern Miss and Alcorn State, and was at Mississippi State for the last um, up until this year, to the last two or three years yeah. on staff there. It was either him or Jeff Carter, that's the head coach, football coach at Pontiac High School right now, both very good friends of mine. But they debate over who started that, and um, it was a punt return. And, uh, you know, one, one push led to a punch and then the punch led to another guy coming in and then somebody coming off the bench and then more people coming off the bench. And then, you know, there were people down. I can remember being in the press box saying, you know, we, we were talking to the coaches on the bench saying, Hey, you got three on one down here on the five yard line. Get down <laughs> to the five yard line, you know, near the dressing room. You got three Mississippi State guys on one, one old Miss guy, you know, or. So and so's got his helmet off. They're they're you know they're punching him, and and it was just the wildest thing. And and uh, can't remember how long it took to clear clear all the, the field off or who got penalties or what. But I believe that's how it started. Um, it was on a punt return, and those two guys were involved. Well, there've been a, a few dust ups since then as well. Who knows if this year will uh, include that? I asked Dad yesterday to put odds on a, a pregame uh, fisticuffs, and I don't know if we came to any. Like jawing back and forth, maybe pushing and shoving, but in terms of a full-on fight, seems unlikely. I don't know. Yeah, it does. Seems like both coaches now are, you know, well, you know, I don't know how Greg Knox will approach it, but I can't imagine him approaching it any other way than than what they've done the last several years, and that's just a, you know, kind of a friendly friendly rivalry, um, you know, as far as pregame and everything goes, and uh, the talk is kind of that kind of, you know, after. Tuberville and Cheryl and and some of that kind of I guess maybe Mullen too. Yeah. Um, that's kind of worn off a little bit, I believe. Yeah, seems to have uh, a little bit. All right, so the game itself this week. I mean, Ole Miss obviously has had a better season than Mississippi State has. Bulldogs playing for bowl eligibility. Ole Miss playing for a ten-win season. What what do you make when you you look at this matchup between the two? Well, um, you know, Ole Miss has. Had a great year. It's been a fun year. I mean, but when you when you look at the teams Ole Miss has beaten, you know, you look at they beat A and M, they beat uh, Arkansas, Auburn, Georgia Tech, Tulane, um, and LSU. I mean, you look at some of the teams that that Ole Miss beat and that beat Mississippi State. That doesn't even matter in this game. <laughs> I mean, you can't justify like saying, well, since we beat LSU and they got killed by LSU, then. You feel like we're going to win the game. It doesn't necessarily mean that. I mean, I think the matchup is different every week, and I think um, Ole Miss has a tough matchup. This defense, Mississippi State, to me, reminds me just watching them on film reminds me a lot of Tulane's defense, and that doesn't that's not a, a slight on Mississippi State. Tulane's ten and one and has a great defense. Um, I think they're ten and one. 
anyway, they, they do a lot of things to present problems for the offense. And, um, you know, Ole Miss has got some dynamic playmakers. Don't get me wrong. They got two good backs. They've got four guys that can absolutely catch it. And, um, a guy that can throw it and get it to him, but the offensive line is really banged up. And and to me, that kind of evens things out as far as the the scheme that Mississippi State has on defense and what Ole Miss brings to the table on offense. And I know having Will Rogers back and a running back back, and then you know kind of rallying the troops. I'm not trying to talk like Lou Holtz here, but I'm just saying, looking at the whole matchup, what <laughs> you said, what you said is, uh, I think it all makes sense. I really do. And, um, you know, just being in Starville and, and uh, being a big underdog, uh, I think they're going to come with everything. And, and uh, people always say, doesn't matter what the records are, you know, um, most of the time it doesn't. And um, and I don't think that's uh, any different this year. I think uh, it's going to be a really close football game. Let me ask you this. And I'm not trying to paint you into a corner when I say this, but, but the flip side of throw the records out, do you not approach this and you go, look, like if you're Lane Kiffin talking to your team, you're a better football team than they are. Go out and play well and win the game. It's just that simple. You're better than they are. Go beat them. Is that part of the message? Well, you would you would think Ole Miss would have somewhat some confidence in, in you know knowing that they've, they're they 9-2 looking for number 10 and have beaten some really good football teams and and can be really good at times, but they can be really inconsistent at times. Yeah. And so I think the message is you got to go out and execute, um, you know, as good as you have all year against anybody if you expect to, to win this football game. And like I said, last weekend was a kind of a makeshift offensive line, move center to guard, you know, somebody else to center, somebody else to tackle. That causes some problems in your offense, especially yeah, when you run the kind, kind of offense Ole Miss does. So, We'll see on that. But, um, yeah, I mean, I would think Ole Miss would have a lot of confidence coming in. They feel like they've got a good football team, got really good players. Um, but then you look at the other side, nothing to lose. Nothing to lose. They're going to come at you like, uh, you know, like they haven't all year against anybody else. And you just know that. John, thanks for your time. Happy Thanksgiving. Yeah, you guys too. This show was previously recorded. What we're going to do right here is go back. Back to the sports. This is Sports Talk Mississippi. So let's get rolling. On Super Talk Mississippi. Ceasefire text line. If all the stars align and the football gods smile down on state and they happen to pull off an egg bowl upset, what bowl do you think they would go to? The good well, first off, I've been saying this. State is in position to be a five and seven bowl team with their APR. And when you look at the SEC, I know. It, 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 I know. But when you look at the SEC, Florida likely five and seven. Arkansas is not going to make a bowl. Vandy's not going to make a bowl. South Carolina likely five and seven. The SEC doesn't have enough spots. Doesn't have enough teams to fill all of its spots. So if State goes to a bowl, even at five and seven, they could very easily end up in the Liberty Bowl or the Birmingham Bowl, one of the normal SEC spots. Hmm. Well, we will uh, we'll see if that turns out to be the case. James Madison and Jacksonville State. 
also, even though they got their waivers denied because the NCAA is terrible at everything, uh, they Did could. You see McAfee's opening on game day. Yeah. You know, Ooh. I saw Tony Barnhart say this, and, and you know, I agree with him completely that that scene is why we need to at least give the quote unquote little guy a sliver of opportunity. I mean, that was incredible. It was great. Almost 30,000 people out there at game day. Those fans are absolutely nuts. And there are millions more people that grow up on James Madison football and the like than Ohio State and Georgia and Alabama. The the overall health of college football is really important to me. I mean, maybe not to a lot of people that just well, I only want the, what's best for TV, and, and I understand that. I mean, you're, you're looking to be entertained, but, man, college football needs programs like James Madison to matter. It's so good for the health of the sport. I, I mean, I talk about it all the time. I grew up on a smaller level than that, and that's why I love football today. It's not because of South Carolina games or Clemson games that I went to. It's because I went to 10,000-seat Paladin Stadium and watched Lewis Ivory run the football. That's where however, I love the sport. However, if you had grown up going to South Carolina games or Clemson games, you might would have fallen in love with it. Probably uh, so. Nonetheless. And, I mean, that's kind of the cool part of it. It's like whether you go right. and you follow a team that's smaller or a team that's big, it's it's your team. Mm-hmm. And there's this connection that's there. And, uh, yeah, I mean, tip of the cap to the James Madison fans. That was, that was a great scene. And then great they lost. Scene. And then they lost, and uh, it, it happens, right? They, they put a scoreboard up there, and only one team wins. And they it does happen. Um, hey, if you're in the market for a new vehicle, check out my friends at Belk Ford and Oxford Toyota on Highway 6 West in Oxford. Now, they got you covered, right? Whether it's a truck, F-150 from the Ford lot, or a Tundra or a Tacoma from the uh, from the Toyota lot, you're looking for a car, you got the Camry and the Corolla, two of the best on the market for the last million years, or maybe it's a, a big SUV like the Expedition or the Explorer. They got you covered. They'll take care of you. Not a pushy sales experience. Long, long, long time in the car business. Over 100 years in the automobile business. Been a Ford dealership since 1961 and located there on Highway 6 West since the early 1980s. New and improved service department. It's larger, and they will take care of you. Routine maintenance. They'll come get your vehicle if you're in the Oxford area. Pick it up. From you, perform the service and bring it back. No hassle, no sweat, and it's free. That's service that matters from Belk Ford and Oxford Toyota. Visit them online, or better yet, stop by and see them in person and test drive the car or truck or SUV that suits you, whether it's new or used. From Belk Ford and Oxford Toyota, Highway 6 West, and tell them you heard about them on Sports Talk Mississippi. Hey, Dad, somebody said earlier... State may stink, but you're really raining on the parade this week. But they they need you what to like? uh, what am need I? To pull what yourself. Am I? I'm like a clown. Um, I'm here to amuse you. I'm like a clown. How am I funny? Funny how? You're not. What? I'm I'm here to amuse you. No, they what? don't want you to amuse them. They want you to uh, pull for your team. They want you to lie to them and make you believe that there's a modicum of hope, even though there is none. I am no politician. No, I'm not a politician. I'm not running for office. All you get from me is the truth. 
if we come here on Friday and Mississippi State has won mm-hmm. this game on Thursday night, mm-hmm. are you just going to sit mm-hmm. down with a smile and be like, I sandbag you morons all week long and you <laughs> You sandbagging son of a... Uh, no, I'll, I'll be really, really happy and I'll, I'll rub it in your face, but I will not claim that I sandbag you for one minute. I have no faith in this one. Oh, man. Thanks for being with us. Sports Talk Mississippi in the Pearl River Resort Studio. We'll do it again tomorrow. Look forward to it. Have a great Monday night. Stay dry. Stay warm. It's gross out there. Good night. This show was previously recorded. Mississippi State and Ole Miss getting set of this series between these two schools that dates back to 1901. And since the year 1915, with the exception of World War II years, these teams have met on an annual basis. It's a foot race, and Walton is going to go all the way. That's running room toward the goal line, and the corner scores. Wrap it in maroon and white. This ball game is officially in the record book. Picked off by Ole Miss. Down the sidelines goes Bridges. He's taking it to the house. Touchdown, Rebel! And with that, we are off. Welcome to Egg Bowl Week on Sports Talk Mississippi, streaming at supertalk.fm and Supertalk TV. As always, we come to you from the Pearl River Resort Studios. Pearl River Resort, we were there last week. A lot of fun always being at Pearl River Resort. You uh, can check out the sports book inside the Golden Moon Casino, part of Pearl River Resort and pearlriverresort.com. Let's open them up. Want to hear from you. Ceasefire text line 601-879-4395. Give your business the edge with gigabit fiber internet from Ceasefire Business. Learn more about them online at ceasefire.com slash business. Pretty good weekend. A weekend that, you know, the, the slate didn't look good going into the weekend. No. But as is... Usually the case, it kind of delivered. There were some upsets that were mixed in. There were some competitive games that were mixed in. There was a great bad weather game that was mixed in. Uh, I can't remember. I, I, I listened to several college football podcasts. Somebody described the Washington-Oregon State game as being played in a, inside a washing machine. I thought that was a pretty good descriptor. Pretty good. Uh, for uh, at least the first half, first three quarters of that game. 
It was a good college football weekend, and it was a weekend that saw Mississippi State get a win against Southern Miss, saw Ole Miss get a win against ULM, and so both teams with a little bit uh, better taste in their mouth going into the final game of the regular season. Hello, boys. Oh, good to be with you. My, my weekend's been ruined, though. It was a good weekend. Had a lot of fun with the little guy, and then I got the weekend that was. Yeah, sit down on my chair right here, yeah. pull up social media, and what do I see? Breaking news. Taylor Swift will not be in attendance tonight for Eagles Chiefs. What are we going to do? No Taylor Swift tonight. I didn't know the Eagles and the Chiefs were playing tonight either. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I'm crushed. <laughs> I'm actually kidding about that. That's I'm the just, best Monday night football matchup we've had in a long time. I just cry. I mean, I had a great weekend, and now I'm not going to get cutaway shots of Taylor Swift hanging out with Patrick Mahomes' yeah. wife. What am I going to do? It's better to do than go to that game. I think she's playing a concert in, like, Buenos Aires or something. Oh, well, yeah, that's good. She was kind to cancel some concerts because it was really hot and didn't want people to suffer over the weekend as well. Yeah, well, but I, I am crushed. So I'm glad we get to talk about the Egg Bowl and college football to, you know, make me feel better after after the news. Mr. Haydad, you got your mind right? Are you just out here puttering uh, yes. around, putzing around, sad-mouthing and poor-mouthing like you had for the last two? I don't even know why we'll play the game. We'll miss them, beat them, two touchdowns. And then all of a sudden there's a win against Southern Miss, a four-wheeler in the locker room, and whoo, let's go, get your mind right, I'm ready to go. What's up, buddy? Let me tell you something, Cross. You better and tell I, I, me I something. Of, oh, I'll tell you something. All right? My mind stays right. All right? Yeah. 365 days a year, my mind is right. And the other thing I want to point out is there is never a time where I'm like, let's not play the Egg Bowl. Mm. Never. Not once in this lifetime have those words ever come across my mouth. Un, you know, unlike some fan bases, oh, leave the trophy on the field. We don't. It's not our real rival. What are we talking about? Why don't you just shut your mouth? Sad. I mean, just. I would agree. I agree. Recycle. It is sad. It is sad. I don't have to recycle. Y'all bring it back up every year. Who is y'all? You ever heard me say y'all? That? Like the, I just I, the I collective don't care. of trophy, y'all. Don't trophy. All I need is a scoreboard. That's all I really need. Yeah. Well, there you go. Maybe you get one this year. Maybe. Maybe. Uh, all right. How you doing, Richard? Good to see you, man. I'm great. I'm great. Hey, I got it. Can I tell you all about something real quick that has nothing to do that I'm actually really excited about? You can about? tell us anything you want. We, this is a, we are family on this show. So, so you know that I've had mixed emotions this year. It was it was sad for me not to be with the Ole Miss radio crew and kind of on the sidelines and traveling with them because I enjoy that. But it's been a really right. fun college football season for me, getting to do television play by play every week, American conference games. I'm not about to pretend. They're not even about to pretend that it's the same type atmosphere as you know being in SEC stadiums. But it's been a really good year. Not this weekend, but next weekend, I got a really cool assignment. I'm, I'm fired up about uh, FCS playoff game. Oh. Did you get Furman? Who? No. No. Oh, man. No. I was, Where you had it? God, I was so pumped up. I was going to send you a 5,000-word text message of everything you need to do. <laughs> Dang well, it. In that Where are you case, going? I mean, I am going to Brookings, South Dakota. Ooh, heck yeah. Oh, heck the yeah. number one overall seed, South Dakota State, will host the winner of Mercer and uh, Gardner Webb. So Mercer Gardner Webb is this weekend. Wow! And the winner of that game goes to the number one seed. 
So I'm actually so really no SEC championship that. game for you, but nope. you get to go. To, you get to do it. That's awesome though. South. Yeah. Have you ever been to the state of South Dakota? I have not. I've not. All right, cross it off the list. That's awesome. Been to Congrats. Some parts man. of the Upper Midwest and. Uh, it, it was funny. So Taylor and I were talking about, yeah, a couple of weeks ago, hey, this might happen. Wonder, I was like, well, if they're going to send us somewhere, just send us somewhere where it snows. South Dakota. Okay. I just checked the long-range forecast, and the predicted high is 37 two weeks out. So we'll see. We'll see how that goes. But uh, That's the high. Yeah, I know. That is the high. So uh, <laughs> looking forward to that That's in a awesome. couple of weeks. But this is Egg Bowl week. And uh, do you have a corresponding pocket square, or are you pulling the scarf out? <laughs> Course, but like, like what? Like a an FCS pocket square? No, he's talking about for this week. You got your red blue red blazer with blue pocket square. How does that work? I don't own a red blazer. Okay. Come on now, try try some more sartorial jokes that aren't funny. I thought it was funny, personally. Just with you, messing with you. Um, All right, so how we feeling? (laughs) That's what he's gonna do all week, Borky. Right there, he's gonna be like, "Oh, hey, Dad, you piece of garbage!" I'm just messing with you. I'm just messing (laughs) with you. That's all week. I can already feel it. Probably won't be the last time that you get a. I'm just messing with you. Um, how are we feeling like going it. into Bring this ball on. game on uh, on Thursday night? So let me pose the question to you guys, because uh, I'm stealing it from myself on Twitter. The second the games ended Saturday, I thought, did anything that just happened change the way I think Thursday is going to go? Uh, so I'm going to pose that to you. Watch the two games simultaneously. Ole Miss looked like garbage offensively in the first half, and then they woke also up. Also referred to as poo-poo. Yes, that. Uh, terrible. I mean, uh, so, and then they figured it out and Lane after the game. And, Would you go so far as to say putrid? Yeah. Yeah, it was a putrid okay, okay. first half offensively. And, you know, Lane said today, or I guess it was after the game. I've watched yeah, both exactly that. Where they straight up didn't really do any Louisiana Monroe prep that they focused on. The Egg Bowl. They, that's as you should. If you're going to play that game, then that's what you do. That's what that's what you should do if you got Louisiana Monroe on the schedule. But uh, now, now, hey, now, now, forgive me for derailing your your thought process, but that's not something that Mississippi State has. I don't know if it matters or not. I don't know if having three or four extra days to prep for the game matters. But that's not something that Mississippi State had the luxury of doing last week because they were busy firing a coach, finding an interim head coach, and then because they were playing better, have to give Southern Miss the due respect and preparation that was deserved. So Yeah, and the best-case scenario would have been just like Ole Miss, that State was just better than USM, didn't have any worries, and could have put some Ole Miss prep into last week. But I agree, they probably didn't. So you watch the games. You know, it was a six-point game in the fourth, and State still won by three touchdowns uh, nonetheless. But did anything that happened on Saturday change the way you thought about Thursday's game Going into it, mm. yes. The way I think about it, I don't know if it changes the outcome, but it changes the way I think about it just a little bit. And I think Mississippi State is in a better headspace than they were a week ago, two weeks ago, three weeks ago. Does that mean they're a better football team? I don't know. Does that mean that Bo Wallace is going to throw it better than 12 of 27? 
Bo Wallace. I'm sorry. I we're going to talk with Bo. Wa- Hold on a second. We're going to talk with Bo Wallace later this afternoon. I had a text message that just popped up from him on my phone. What I was trying to say does that mean Will Rogers is going to be better than twelve of twenty-seven? No, it's not necessarily what it means. Well, if State can pressure Wayne Madkin this week, we'll see what happens. Yeah, yeah. All I know is, and a lot of people that are laughing about the four-wheeler in the locker room thing, I haven't seen a scene like that surrounding a Mississippi State football team in a long time where it looked like they were genuinely fired up, and my guess is that carries over. So, yeah, maybe a little different. We'll be back. This show was previously recorded. The Egg Bowl. Ole Miss, Mississippi State, the battle for the golden egg. You think this one won't go down in the books as one of the classics of the Ole Miss Mississippi State series? It really has to. No matter how it comes out, no matter who wins it, this has been one whale of a football game. A rivalry steeped in history, one of the longest uninterrupted series in the country, and it's what the entire state talks about every fall. Waiting for the snap. There it is. It is face down. There's the kick. It turns. It turns. It is no good. And that ball was held up by the wind, blew it completely to the left of the kicker in the goal post. He was plenty high and plenty long. This is unbelievable. And because it is unbelievable, we love it. Sports Talk Mississippi streaming at supertalk.fm and supertalk TV. Thank you for being with us. Hey, we're going to jump right into the college football fix today, spend a little bit of time with a couple of guys that have known each other for a long time. One went to school at Ole Miss, and the other wishes that he did. We'll get to that in just a second. Uh, we remind you, though, first, though, that the college football fix is driven by Ford and your local Mississippi Ford dealers. Log on to buyfordnow.com and find out why the best-selling trucks are built Ford Tough. You can test drive one at your local Mississippi Ford dealer today. All guests on the show here on the Farm Bureau guest line. Check out favorites.com and go with the home team. Mississippi Farm Bureau. To my left is John Darnell, and to his left is Bo Russell, and uh, two guys that have known each other for a long time. Played against each other in high school, and then both from northeast Mississippi made their way on to Ole Miss, in John Darnell's case, and Mississippi State in Bo Russell's uh, uh, case. And let me just tell you, Bo loved Mississippi State so much that he sent his daughter to Ole Miss, and he now lives in Oxford. So, I mean, you know, it must have been a great experience. Guys, what's up? Thanks for having us. Thanks for sabotaging me. Uh, you're good. <laughs> I mean, Bo is protecting us, guys. You know, hey, Dad, I do have the one thing that a lot of Ole Miss football fans don't have. What's that? A degree from the University of Mississippi. <laughs> oh. <laughs> oh, How about that? a good one. Uh, He's been waiting on that all day. Yeah, set me up, didn't yeah. he? Yeah. He was practicing that joke in the mirror. Yeah, he was. He's like, he I was. got it. I got it. I guarantee it. he was. Um, uh, Bo's been sending me pictures for the last few days as well. You sent me one of them. Most yeah. of them were not terribly flattering to, to your friend John Darnell. Well, no, yeah. I've John, I got some too. I just didn't send them. You know, yes. I don't have to save those for another time. Did, did you just, wear your jersey, John? I can't remember. Did you fold your jersey underneath your pads no, so everybody could see your, your six pack? Good reason for that. But um, I, I did. <laughs> I, think I, did John, notice. I think John's six pack was on a Friday night before the game. If I, I oh no! I can remember coming up to the line of scrimmage thinking, "Why has Bo got his jersey rolled up and tied in a knot like that?" <laughs> But 
Yeah, that's the way he did it. So, but he had more muscles and everything. He was yeah. more of an athlete, you know. All right, right. So. I, I was a zero star. This guy was a four star athlete. Four star athlete. Yes. Let's uh, let's go back to the beginning. Corinth High School for you, John. Uh, Itawamba for uh, for you, Bo, and and you guys played against each other going way back, right? Oh yeah, eighth grade, I think. Yeah, and uh, started playing Fulton, and I guess we're in the same district. Yeah. And um, you know, played them in high school. Had some had some good games. One game, I think we won pretty bad, but they beat us my senior year over there in Fulton. Around yeah. in, the, well, in that brick broken wall. Finger. Yeah, we. Uh, I learned something. I'd seen somebody call a halfback pass on the goal line. Did we go in overtime? Yeah. Was it we were in overtime? First and I'd overtime. seen somebody run a halfback pass on the goal line on college football, and I made the suggestion to our coach. Said, "Why don't we run a halfback pass?" We had a backup quarterback was a tailback. Well, we ran it and got intercepted. I don't know who. Did you intercept it? I think so. Oh, gosh. Yeah. See, here we go. There we go. So we got intercepted. <laughs> it was on ball game. They beat us. But that's the one thing I do remember about that game. Bad call. Bad idea. I, yeah. I'm just impressed that as a high school senior, you were able to convince your, your yeah, coach to well, run a play that you guys I, roll out in overtime. Yeah. I don't think, yeah. I, don't think we, I ever had that kind of stroke with my coach. Now, granted, <laughs> I was a lineman, but they don't want to listen to us. But <laughs> still, situation might have been a little different. Yeah, He shouldn't have listened to me, that's for sure. Well, like I said, John was, was a superstar recruit in the area. Other than Wesley Walls. Wesley mm-hmm. was a five-star. Everybody wanted him. And, uh yeah, kind of where we really got to know each other is we all went to the All-Star game and played an All-Star game together. Okay. That's when they had the North versus the South. Yep. And we were on the North, and, and we had some really good players. Um, uh, besides besides Bo, we had Wesley Walls, Tony Bennett, Pat Coleman, Jesse Anderson that went to Mississippi yeah, State. Played yeah. t- they all played in the NFL for years. Yeah. And um, Jesse and the uh, Thunder and Lightning. What? Uh, well, uh, I got a question for you. Thunder yeah. and Lightning, is that Sean Sykes or Robert Smith? No. Are you sure? I'm positive. Okay. I'm positive it's not them. Because that Thunder and Lightning ran all over me and yeah. stomped <laughs> me in high school. And John. Yeah, he's talking about the, you're talking about the guys from Louisville, right? No, I'm talking about uh, oh, Rob, uh, that, Sean yeah, Sykes Robert Smith and Sean Robert Sykes. Smith. Yeah, yeah. That's, yeah they, they killed us. Um, but we had two guys from Louisville. They played with you at Mississippi State. Yeah, we had nine Taylor, people. Taylor and uh, Jeremiah Sankster. Nine guys that went to Mississippi State off that North team. And we had like five or six yeah. off the North. So did went y'all win Miss. this All-Star game? We lost. We lost. Who was on the South we lost. team? And, uh, we lost because Wesley Walls couldn't kick a 49-yard field that's goal, right. wasn't it? Yeah. Well, and, um, <laughs> Luckily, he didn't have to do that in the pros to make any money. <laughs> well, he came close. He, he thought he made it. He kept jumping up and yeah, down. Yeah, he threw, he threw his helmet, and all the pads came out of his helmet. <laughs> well, the next year, this is a true story, the next year he got invited back to be because he won the Sportsmanship Award. Right. He was just <laughs> making his helmet. Yeah. I was like, what? <laughs> that is so rigged. That is so rigged. Uh, anyway. All right, so, so he, he was dirtier than I was. So, so Wesley started out in college on the defensive side before he made the move over to tight end, right? That's, That's right. right. Yeah, and then he um, senior year moved to tight end. I heard him tell that story the other day at the Alabama games. Two guys he introduced me to about how we were throwing the football before practice one day. And Coach Red Parker said, have you ever played tight end? He said, well, actually, I played in the high school all-star game with John. And, um, you know. And, they, and Red Parker didn't know that. <laughs> yeah, it's a different time, man. Yeah. Nobody had film and all that. That's right. Nobody was scouting. Did, did anyway. Red, Red Parker have you running the option? Yeah, well, you know he had me running the option because you were over there trying to kill me. 
But, hey, um, I knew we had them when uh, John's running off. You know, my, my introduction to <laughs> cold. So, so we moved to Oxford in November of 1988. And, and so it was really the 89. I was eight years old. It was the 89 season where I really kind of started watching. So the first Ole Miss jersey I had was a number four jersey. I, I've told him before that, and, and he's laughed at me. But my introduction to college football was a Red Parker offense, <laughs> which it's amazing that I'm here today and love the game. <laughs> Well, yeah, Wait, I mean, no, I, no disrespect intended, right. but you I mean, know, we talk about all the time. You might have seen a Rocky Felker offense. You oh, might have I, I, I saw one of those too. Yeah, <laughs> I saw enough of that to go around. Uh, We've had, don't don't hate on me, coach. No, no. Goodness gracious! <laughs> all right, eighty-seven, eighty-eight, eighty-nine. Those were the three Egg Bowls that, that the two of you played against each other in, right? Yeah, That's yeah. Both probably played in eighty-six. You I play. played special teams in eight. Yeah, I didn't get to play in that game. But um, yeah, we, we've had plenty of time to talk about this over the years. Our, our daughters played soccer together growing up, and Bo always made me coach the, the little girls in soccer, and then he would yell at me from the from the sideline. But um, anyway. A lot, along but, with everybody else. Yeah, we, we had a lot of time to talk about all these games and how times have changed with football, and we just have a, have a good time with it. But, um, yeah, we had some good games. We were talking on the way over here. I walked down with him, and uh, we were talking about, you, what do you remember? And the weather was one of the things that yeah. for two years, yeah. it rained. Now, all three games that you guys played were in Jackson. Yes. 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 It, it was two years later, 91, when it moved back to campus. Right. Yeah, yes. we never when played I was in on campus. School, it was back on. Yeah, campus. we never played on campus. That '88 uh, game. I mean, there are tornado sirens going off. Yeah, I was there. Yeah. I, I was there. In the yeah, spot it, was, of, it was unbelievable. My, my dad was one of those. Yeah. No, we're not leaving types. So yeah, I suffered with you to the last snap of that game. I they promise. spotted the ball yeah. several times, and it would float off. Yeah, it was <laughs> <true>. <laughs> I kid you not. Oh, it's, he's not telling that line. It was. Yeah. But, but, day, but I, I usually played good in the rain because I would be just as fast as everybody else. <laughs> 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 you, you were talking about. The game changing. It obviously changed a lot of offense. But yeah. back in your day, when the receiver came over the middle, it was just, that's open season. Oh, yeah, that you, guy. Be, you better defend yourself. And, and now, now, I mean, that's going to be a 15-yard penalty nine yeah. times out of ten. Yeah. I went back and watched the LSU game from 88, and I would have been ejected <laughs> at least 15 times <laughs> that I could see on, on the film. I mean, yeah. you would take headshots, yeah. you know, and uh, you'd be called out if you didn't. Targeting. And, uh, yeah, and but also, so, so it's I, pro- I probably also- had uh, I probably had at least ten concussions myself. I remember yes. playing in the Auburn game one time as a, a redshirt freshman, looking up. I don't know why I looked up, but I looked up, and last thing, the first thing I heard was the whole stands going ooh. <laughs> I get, I get up and I'm running to the sidelines at the 50 yard line and I make it to the state sidelines on the 30. Oh, so that's how far I was going off. Didn't miss a play because you, you got back in and yeah. if you uh, you're you right. a play, you missed a play. You know they put somebody else in. Hold on, boys. Uh, we'll be right back. Sports Talk Mississippi. More right after this. This show was previously recorded. Gallo knows Mississippi better than anyone. No one gets better interviews than him. Gallo. He asks all the questions everybody wants to know. Mornings on Super Talk Mississippi. Whether you're a rebel, a bulldog, a golden eagle, or just a sports fan, Super Talk Mississippi has got a podcast for you. For you. Sports Talk Mississippi, The Rebel Report, Thunder and Lightning, The Super Talk Eagle Hour are all now available for you. And it's all free. Free. Get them all on demand at supertalk.fm and on your smartphone. 
Just search for Super Talk on iTunes, Google Play, or anywhere you listen to podcasts. It's big. Brace yourself. Sports Talk Mississippi, covering your Mississippi teams with live reports from the games and practices on Super Talk Mississippi. Welcome back to Sports Talk Mississippi, streaming at supertalk.fm and supertalk TV all across the Magnolia State. Thanks for being with us this afternoon in the Pearl River Resort Studios. Time for us to go to the Farm Bureau guest line. Check out favorites.com and go with the home team, Mississippi Farm Bureau. Jim Ellis joins us right now. He has been broadcasting Mississippi State sports since 1979. He does have a little more time to uh, to probably do some other things now that he is uh, just the voice of the Mississippi State Diamond Dogs. Uh, but picking up some basketball stuff in this busy time of year. Jim, always a pleasure to visit. It's been a while. How are you? I, have, I am good. Thank you. So this week, um, so much focus on the Egg Bowl and this matchup between Mississippi State and Ole Miss, and it always takes us down memory lane. So, so let's just start there. When when somebody comes to you and says, "Hey, get, give me an Egg Bowl memory that really stands out," uh, what pops to mind first for you? Well, I guess probably my first Egg Bowl that I ever went to. Uh, I was uh, a fairly, I was a young kid. I think I was about seven, maybe seven years old. And uh, my dad took me to a game. I didn't know one team from the other. And I remember being in the stands uh, waiting for the teams to come out. And uh, Ole Miss came out, and I got up and, uh, and was applauding. And my dad pulled me down. He said, no, that's Ole Miss coming out of the uh. – <laughs> so uh, so then, then Mississippi State comes out, and so I get up and do it again. And, you know, I don't remember much about the ball game. Ole Miss won the ball game. I remember right, it was something like 26 to 7 or something of that nature. But uh, the only thing I really remember, they had a fullback by the name of Paige Cothran, Ole Miss did. Mm, And his socks, everybody else had their socks that pulled up. His socks were all crumpled down around his ankles the entire ball game. And that intrigued me as a a 7-year-old trying to watch a ball game that I didn't know a whole lot about. And uh, that's that's my only memory from that first ball game. But that was a uh, that was my first experience with Mississippi State Ole Miss. I I did go to some game. I, I really I, I remember a game. Uh, I think it was in '58. Uh, uh, was a seven-seven tie, if I remember. And I remember that game very well because a, a guy named Bubba Trammell was a running back. He scored the lone Mississippi State touchdown in that ball game, and. Uh, and his wife taught school at the elementary school I was going to that year. So, uh, you, you know, so those are some of my earliest memories of Mississippi State football and their rivalry with Ole Miss. I'm curious, Jim, how it changed for you when you went from sitting alongside Jack Crystal as he was doing the play-by-play to following him in play-by-play where it was now your responsibility to describe and chronicle the action. Did, did it change the way you watched the game or, or consumed the game at all? Yeah, it really did. I mean, as far as the way I watched the game, because there's there's so much more. When I, when I sat beside him, I spotted uh, Mississippi State and uh, did the uh, – and then eventually we got, our, got a spotter. But for years I spotted the game and also uh, was the color guy on the ball game. And which means that you had to watch a lot, and uh, that it was away from the football when you when you do uh, some of those things. But but uh, working with Jack was was such a pleasure just to learn from him, 
Uh, he was his own person. He did the game the way he wanted to do it, and he did it in a style that that people really loved. Uh, he was. He, he. I told Jack uh, late in his career. I said, Jack, you you lived in the era where people loved to listen to football games, and they loved what you did. And you described the game. I still think he described uh, football games more accurately than than anybody that I've ever listened to. But but uh, but when I started doing it myself, uh, I realized I couldn't be Jack Crystal. Nobody else could. Uh, and so I just tried to. Uh, I'd been doing high school. I just I did start with high games for almost uh, twenty. I think twenty eight years. So I I did a lot of high school football uh, for for years and years and years. And I had had an own style of uh, trying to do the broadcast and. And just tried to be myself, um, uh, and I enjoyed it. I really enjoyed it. I thought I was very fortunate because I broadcast the games through those Dak Prescott years, which were which were tremendous years. There were a lot of really good ball games. We uh, went to some Super Bowl games during that time. I thought I was very fortunate to be able to to broadcast during that era. You you may have shared this before somewhere along the way, but you, you worked with Jack Crystal for a long time. And I feel like for a lot of people, Jack Crystal, they feel like they know him, and at the same time, he's this kind of larger-than-life character almost. What was what was your relationship? Was it friendship? Was it like big brother, little brother, uncle, nephew, just colleagues? How do you describe the relationship that the two of you had, and and maybe how it evolved through the years? Well, I was a, I was a little bit awed with uh, with Jack at first because I didn't, uh, you know, I didn't really, uh, really, really didn't know him that well when I started. Uh, but I I began to, uh, uh, you know, understand him much more as as uh, as it went along. Uh, but he was good from the start. He uh, he found a place for me. He made me feel welcome. Uh, we, uh, in fact, we roomed together on the road for I guess maybe fifteen twenty years, and they start giving everybody their own room. But I mean, it was I roomed with Jack for years and years. Uh, so we we did a lot of non sports talking over the years. He he was a, a historian. He loved history. Uh, he had he had fought uh, in World War Two or had been in the. And the in the service back in then, and uh, he, he has those memories. Uh, Jack, of course, was Jewish, and he had a strong uh, faith in, the, in 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 Judaism, and and and, uh, and and we talked about those kind of things. Well, we talked family, we talked all kind of things. We had our favorite places to eat in each uh, city that we would go to, and we'd try to find that. We we had a relationship with other broadcasters. One of the things that was really special, Jack knew all the the other broadcasters, and, and he would bring me into the conversations, and I got to know uh, uh, most of the greats in, in, the, in that era of football, and we had a bucket full of them in the Southeastern Conference, and, and that was a lot of fun. But, but Jack was uh, – he, he gave me advice from time to time, and it was good advice. And uh, We didn't agree on everything, but we had some, uh, <laughs> some great arguments. And, uh, but but he, was, he was one of the best storytellers I've ever heard. And he had, of course, I had heard all of his stories after about ten years, and so I didn't, I didn't need them. But he had, he had great stories. He could embellish your story and just have you sitting there uh, eating out of the palm of his hand. Uh, a great storyteller and uh, uh, just a, you know, just a genuine person. Uh, and we always, uh, I always cherish the fact that I felt like that he considered me a friend. I certainly considered him a friend, and um, and we got along well. And, and we did throughout uh, throughout the history of our career. 
Jim, be it be it a game that you called as a color commentator or or as the the play by play announcer for Mississippi State, and not necessarily the full game, but is there a moment in the Egg Bowl that stands out to you from all the games that you called? I th- I think there, there there's there's a bunch, but but if I wanted to pull a couple, uh, I I think uh, that that one that I would pull uh, was the uh, ball game that we were trailing Ole Miss. Uh, I think it may have been. Uh, I can't remember the year right now, but I think I think it, I think we were trailing Ole Miss in 1990. Must have been the 90, 98 or 99 season, uh, right in there. And uh, it looked like uh, we, we'd gotten a couple of big plays, uh, gotten back into the ball game when it looked like it was, it was about over. Uh, had tied it up. Ole Miss had the football, trying to throw the pass down the field. Ball got uh, really batted up in the air. I think actually kicked up in the air on the uh, on the defensive play on the sideline. Return it deep enough, and then kick the field goal to end the ball game and come away with a victory. I think it was what twenty four, uh, maybe twenty four twenty one ball game. But it was a it was an unbelievable ball game, uh, and the ending was it, it, Ole Miss had pretty well dominated the game, and then Mississippi State owned the fourth quarter and won the game. That that game always was stick out in my mind. Another game that, to me, was a really interesting game, well, I think 2013, uh, when Dak Prescott came back from injury and got the ball club down the field, got a ball game tied up. We go into overtime, uh, gets the, the win in, or gets the lead in overtime at 17-10, to 10, and then Ole Miss uh, gets stripped of the football that bounces into the end zone it rolled forward into the end zone, bounced in the end zone. Mississippi State grabbed it and stepped over the uh, end zone line out of the rear of the end zone to end the ball game. Thought that was a dramatic way to close out a ball game, and Mississippi wins. State won that one, seventeen to ten in overtime. Uh, those two games really jump out at me as, as big moments for the, on the Mississippi State side. The other one is the Artie Cosby kick. I mean, that was unbelievable. Uh, I think it was eighty three. Uh, we had dominated Ole Miss the entire ball game. Uh, I think had rolled up a well over 400 yards and held Ole Miss to like 150 in the game. Uh, but, uh, some things happened. Ole Miss, uh, had gotten the, the lead in the contest. And then Cosby had a game winning field goal set up. And when he hit it, I knew it was, it was going. And, and I could tell from Jack's uh, voice that he knew it was going. And then suddenly, uh, a big, uh, I, I, it was blowing a, a ton of wind was really blowing. And it looked like it got an extra hard gust of wind and blew it right out from between the uprights. And it just sort of, uh, took a swan dive to, to the, to the uh, turf outside the goalpost over on the left side. And I, I think that was the sickest feeling I've had in one of those ball games. Uh, that hey, that was uh, you know defeat snatched out of the arms of victory right there. But the, those would be some moments that that I'll remember always uh, about the series. Jim, our time is always too short. Thanks so much for joining us this afternoon. Okay, real good. Good to talk with you. Gallo knows Mississippi better than anyone. No one gets better interviews than him. Gallo. He asks all the questions everybody wants to know. Mornings on Super Talk Mississippi. This show was previously recorded. Okay, what we do next? Keep it moving, buddy. You can be a part of Sports Talk Mississippi. 888-808-8637. 
on Super Talk Mississippi. forecast three days out Thursday Thanksgiving Day high of 58 mix of sunshine and clouds winds light and variable Thursday night the overnight low is 38 partly to mostly cloudy again with light and variable winds there's been a little bit of chance of rain in the forecast um that seems to be lower than maybe it was a few days ago. So it's going to be gray and cold for the egg wall, right? It'll be dark at kickoff, so it'll be upper 40s at kickoff. Ooh. I mean, if the high is 58 and the sun goes down yeah. at 515, it stands to reason that it'd be, you know, 49, 48. Does rain benefit Mississippi State? I think it does. Because Ole Miss could really exploit them vertically if it's not pouring rain. I mean, again, I don't mean to sound flippant, but is there anybody on Mississippi State's defense that can cover Trey Harris? One-on-one? No. There isn't isn't anybody on Mississippi State's defense that can cover Bob Harris. Who's Bob Harris? I don't know, a plumber? So Ole Miss will have a, a matchup advantage there, but where State is really good, hidden in, in the down season, is linebacker play. Great linebacker play. So if it's kind of a, a bog and it's raining and you've got to run the football a lot, then don't you think that would be in Mississippi State's favor? You play on the line of scrimmage and let those two dudes go to work and stop the run? Yeah, but, but when, you, when, you, when it rains and you can run the football, that's a great thing. And with Judkins and Bentley, I mean, Ole Miss still has the advantage there. <clears throat> I was trying to see if I could quickly pull up rushing defense for Mississippi State this year. Uh, there it is, rushing defense. Mississippi State, they're middle of the pack in the SEC, giving up 140 yards per game on the ground. Ole Miss actually giving up more than that, 157 on the ground for uh, for Ole Miss. And then in terms of uh, a passing defense, uh, it is it is less good because Mississippi State, well, I mean, hey, Dad, they're still right there, middle of the pack, total defense, 354 yards a game is yeah. what they're That's allowed. come down a lot the last few weeks. But. Yeah. 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 All right, so I, I said before the break, what are the odds of a, uh, of a pregame scuffle, altercation, fight? Are you going to come to the press box? <laughs> I don't know. If I do, you answer. better learn how to fly. Because <laughs> when I throw you <laughs> off the stands, it's going to be the only way you have a soft landing is if you uh-huh. start flapping those wings on the way down, big man. You better you better go talk to one of those uh, power tool distributors we met on Wednesday to get you a forklift or something if you're going to pick, you're going to pick me up. <laughs> All right. No, I don't think there'll be a fight. I don't. I don't. No. I don't think there will be. That's one of the things. It's, it's obviously it's impossible to predict. I don't think I went into the 2018 Egg Bowl thinking there was going to be a. We had spent the whole time. Remember the 2018, like the whole season, we're like it's so much less toxic with Moorhead and Luke now than it was with Mullen and Freeth. And then you get a brawl in the middle of the game. So, who knows? 
put a firecracker quarterback in there and things uh, things happen. <laughs> 18 and 19 might be the most toxic Egg Bowls we've had because you had the fight in 18 and then 19 you have Elijah Moore and all that stuff. <laughs> yeah, with Moorhead and Luke. So pregame fight? No, like an actual fight. But yeah, I wouldn't be surprised at all. Some guys meet and there's some words. Some yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. For I don't sure. mean like I'm not talking about 97. Not, not that. No. Not, not the full on. So if you were setting the odds, you would you would make the odds of a pregame fight like plus one nine hundred. Huh? Nine hundred. Like a fight fight. It's a, it's a yeah, a fight fight. That's that's unlikely. Okay. Pushing and shoving. Like now that that would be a little bit a little bit better. Probably like only like plus one fifty. And guys getting in each other's faces and yelling where the coaches have to separate them, like minus three. Min- minus 250. Yeah, yeah. Okay. There we go. Because that's going to happen. I mean, you know, it's interesting listening to Ole Miss's players in Lane Kiffin today. I mean, Lane Kiffin specifically talked about getting the trophy back. You know, Ashanti Sistrong said, I think about this game every day. That That, that is a little bit different. Jackson Dart said well, he's still thinks about how he felt walking off the field last year. That That is different rhetoric, quote-unquote, than you've heard from Lane Kiffin's Ole Miss uh, in the years prior to this year. They are talking about this game a little bit differently, I noticed. Hey, Dad. Is this a game where, as a fan, you... I don't. I don't even know exactly the right way to phrase this. Is this more about winning or not losing? <laughs> it's more about winning. But I get is it more the joy of losing or the agony avoided of not the the, the joy of winning or the agony of not losing? The it's more avoided. more about the joy of winning. I see what you're trying to say, though. Yeah. Are you a business owner looking for help with HR benefits and payroll? MWG Employer Services offers a wide range of services and can create a custom plan that fits your needs and budget. I was so overwhelmed with HR stuff. MWG Employer Services took all the stress out of it and even set up my payroll. I couldn't be happier. MWG Employer Services is here to help you succeed. Call us today at 601-206-7966 or go to MWGEmployerServices.com. A Super Talk Mississippi media production.